0: To You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST 111, the Angst album Mystery Spot, our third album by Angst on the show. Brandt and I are both fans, and uh, this album is no different. Really looking forward to uh, seeing what you think about it, though, Brent. You know, it's been a while, and I was looking ahead. The next Angst album is going to be episode 206. So. Yeah we We better drink in the angst in this episode, I think there was an e p in there too, Ryan.
1: Let's not forget that in between uh nope, the first one the happy squid reissue
0: oh yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right yeah, there was an e p reissue and then uh we had the light life episode at uh that's number fifty four and Joseph Pope was on that one, yeah. And then we had Mending Wall at 74, both great records.
1: You know, I was thinking the same thing about Slovenly today. I was looking ahead for when our next Slovenly is, and it's way too far away for me.
0: Every Angst or Slovenly episode we do, we we reference Angst or Slovenly because I think... <laughs> I They're think, the
1: two bands, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, you and I, I think, group them together with good reason as these groups that put out some just some killer records that are criminally underappreciated and, um, hoping to hip some folks to these cool records.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure I've said this before, but considering they're on SST records, which is like this legendary label, there's hardly anything about this release online.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It's just like the, I found a couple of blogs that reference it but there's no real info on the record we've got some good stuff coming up though thankfully yeah
1: let's spiel for the dudes okay hit it okay i have a a recommend and a question which do you want first
0: uh is the recommend for me
1: we'll find out yeah (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) let's do the recommend
1: okay so ryan in the early 90s i was a punk rock skater but also a skid too, like grew up on metal, right? And uh, But listening to all kinds of stuff, the Pistols, Sex Pistols, Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, Descendants, No Means No. Still a bunch of metal stuff that I liked before I got into punk rock, like Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth. All the way up to Suicidal Tendencies, DRI, Jane's Addiction, Faith No More, classic rock like ACDC, Alice Cooper... Jimi Hendrix, on and on and on. Fairly wide range of music, I would say. And my buddy started buying all this death metal and grindcore. He got really into it. This is, you know, kind of the heyday of of that kind of stuff. Some of it I liked and I still listen to today. Some of it I loved, like Napalm Death, Bolt Thrower, Carcass, Entombed, Morbid Angel. Some of it, Not so much, we just thought it was funny at the time, like Cannibal Corpse and Deicide. Much of it was on this label called Earache Records, which is kind of like the SST of extreme metal.
0: Yep, I know
1: it. Yeah, so we bought a lot of stuff just because it was on Earache. And one of the things we got was this album condemned by this band, Confessor. And when we heard it, honestly, we were like, what the fuck is this shit? And we, I don't think we ever listened to it again. And I've read a few things about this band where people had a similar experience. They bought it because it was on Earache, and they didn't like it. Now, uh, a while back, I bought this. I think I've referenced this on the podcast before. It's this Decibel magazine special edition, the top 100 doom metal albums of all time. And there's
0: yeah, this is this is at least the twelfth time you've mentioned this one. <laughs> okay. At least the 12th.
1: Okay, well, Confessor is in here. Okay? Okay. Now I'm going to read you a few things about it. Arguably, the most fitting description of this strange and singular record is Calculator Doom. Most fans tend to focus on the mathletic components of 1991's Condemned. That is, the Mindfuck time signatures and Steve Shelton's jaw-drop drumming. But there's a also, a pronounced Trouble-style Doom vibe on this debut effort, thanks to this North Carolina band's dashiki-wearing vocalist Scott Jeffries. And it just goes on from there. It, it ends by saying, Were it released today, Condemned would still sound ahead of its time. So, I, I don't consider this a Doom metal album, but I guess it has doomy elements. But I know, Ryan, that you like the melvins right
0: yes very much so
1: you like prog rock right indeed i do what about math rock
0: very much so as well yes
1: okay what about the band helmet
0: yes (laughs) okay what about
1: cedric bixler's vocals in at the drive-in and mars volta
0: very much yes
1: then i think you might like confessor
0: really yeah hmm. huh
1: I just thought it was interesting that here we are talking about angst and you know I guess my ears weren't ready for this when I was 16 much like maybe a black flag fan buying a slovenly record or something because it was on SST.
0: Yeah, no doubt have you listened to this record lately?
1: Yeah, so I bought it you know when I read this article I'm like I remember that record and I and I sought it out and bought it and. Well, I love it. You're going to have it in your Dropbox by the end of this episode.
0: Okay. All you right? know I won't listen to it in, out of my Dropbox.
1: Well, you have to at least check it out, and then if you like it, you can buy a physical copy. If you don't, you can delete it.
0: All right, all right. Okay, you definitely piqued my interest. That That is the right pedigree for me to check something out for sure. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. If I'm guessing if anybody doesn't like this, it's probably because of the vocals.
0: I don't like... Whaley, anthemic, like metal vocals, but I do I don't mind high register vocals.
1: These are know? incredibly high register. They're like yeah. King Diamond level. Hmm, that might be too much. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, here's my question. Oh shoot! So, what one of the bands that I was into back then also was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Now, I think I mentioned Flea's book last week. You did recently. I listened to an interview with Josh Klinghoffer on Mark Marin's podcast. Yes. I kind of feel sorry for him. Like he got fired and kind of blindsided by the band. And he clearly loved being in the band. And, uh, you know, around the time Mother's Milk came out, they were one of my favorite bands. And as I said, I haven't really kept up with them. I started losing interest after Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which I did like when it first came out. So my question to you as someone who has kept up with the band, what should I check out by the Red Hot Chili Peppers?
0: After Blood Sugar? That came
1: out, yeah, that came out after After
0: Blood Sugar. What do you like about the Red Hot Chili Peppers?
1: I tend to like, well, I, you know, I'll still listen to the Uplift Mofo Party Plan or Freaky styly. So, you know, I like the punk rock stuff. I like songs like uh, If You Want Me To Stay or like Breaking The Girl is a good song stuff like that
0: you know um i, I was gonna say you know go to the Fruchante albums but the albums with uh klinghoffer on them they've got something there too for sure but i mean honestly the records that came after they had some huge hits even even the album with uh navarro like don't, didn't you you're a jane's addiction fan didn't you follow that record
1: no, no, I I am a James Addiction fan, but no, no, I haven't listened. Uh, all I know is what I know off the radio.
0: Where should you start? Uh, gosh, you know what? Just because it's a double, start with Stadium Arcadium. But I would just go in order because there's something to all of them. And in fact, the last couple, I'm with you and the getaway with Josh on them, they've got some great stuff, some quirky stuff that would not be... Suitable for the radio, and um, I check it all out.
1: Okay, I will.
0: I also agree that uh, Josh kind of got a raw deal. The way I read it was, they kind of were just like, "So here's the thing, man. Um, Fruchante's back in, so see you later." Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, but you know what? They're not. They're not a two guitar band.
1: No, they're not. It is what it is. So, I think he yeah. probably
0: knew that that was always a possibility. Oh yeah, like he, I think so. And I mean like Klinghoffer played on Frushante's solo albums too, right? He's had quite
1: the career. It was an interesting interview. Oh yeah. He's played with a tons, you know, tons of people.
0: There was a oh gosh, I can't remember what it is. I want to recommend this one to you though. There is a a double LP. It was I think it was vinyl only of a B-sides collection. Uh, that the Chili's put out like three albums ago. Hang on a sec. I
1: think he talks about that in the interview. There's some new stuff on it though. I think because Marin a- Marin asks him how many albums he did with the Chili Peppers, and he says he says two and a half.
0: Yeah, um, I don't think this is what he's talking about. There's a a collection called I'm Beside You, and it came out uh, at the same time as the I'm With You, and it's a collection of B sides and. Weird stuff. There's like, there's some cool stuff on there too, I would say. Um, but it's vinyl only. You can probably get it on your streaming service or whatever, though. Probably. Yeah. Check it out. I will. I'll report back. Please. I, I, I feel like I've got a confessor report to come as well. Yeah. You do. <laughs> uh, I, I will say though, my spiel is, uh, right up the alley of all of those bands, I think that you mentioned. I, I wonder if you saw this, uh, latest amoeba what's in my bag episode that's out there i usually watch all of them who is it again so a couple episodes ago we posted or maybe it was just on one of our mojack websites he posted the kim gordon one right yeah the, the last one that's up that i thought you would love is gore oh really i missed that yeah. and it's it's uh with beefcake the mighty and Postulus maximus okay and when I was uh, like, I watched it and they're going through all of their various selections. And I'm like, Oh man, I can totally tell why Brant loves war. (laughs) Everything. Uh, Now they have great selections. Like they, they picked out um, the Dick's album, these people and gave a, a a shout out to sister double happiness. Um, Some movies, um, some like, horror and slasher and Blood and Guts movies that I know you would be a fan of. They also um, uh, mentioned The Cure, uh, being fans of The Cure as well. I don't know how – are you a fan of The Cure at all? Not so
1: much The Cure. I like some goth rock stuff, but not really The Cure so much.
0: Yeah, I've kept up with them pretty good, and I I like kind of all eras of The Cure, and even the gore dudes were into The Cure. That was the one where I was like, eh – I bet your brand likes or owns all of this except maybe that Cure record, but that I want you to watch and uh I want you to take notes while you watch it. <laughs> and and then you don't have to report back on the show, but I do want to find out if I'm right that like everything was like exactly you because okay. it was it was like <laughs> it it, it, was, it was just amazing because every selection after selection I'm like, "Oh yeah, brand 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 <laughs> brand so anyway there's my recommend for you i guess right on thanks is it uh is it time to head to the mystery spot let's
1: do it history lesson part one
0: all right we mentioned a couple of our prior episodes where we had angst on the show uh, we've already kind of given away how big of fans we are um for kind of the same reason, Brant and I. Uh, we also mentioned that there's like nothing out there on this record, which is a shame because it is a great record. Yeah. Uh, on this record, we've got Joseph Pope on bass and vocals, his brother John E. Risk on guitar and vocals, and this is the last album that Michael Hersey played on for drums. Yeah. yeah. And and as we said, it's, uh, it's a long time until we see Angst again, episode Two oh six, So we got a ways to go.
1: Hey, so I have a few things here, Ryan. One of our listeners, Ken De La Cruz, sent in uh, this copy of a zine called Ink Disease. Have you heard of that? No. There's quite a few issues of it. I'm not sure where it came out of, but it, it was in the 80s. This is the Winter 88 edition. It's number 13. And there's an interview with Angst in it. Oh, no way. Now, unfortunately for most of the interview, they're just goofing around and like giving stupid answers to the questions, right? Uh, but I did pull out a few things. So here's what Joseph says about the new album when they ask ask him about it. We're working with Vitas Matare. He used to play in The Last. He's a real nice guy and he tends to have a good ear for things and he has his own studio, which helps. He's a real casual guy and has a sense of humor, which, which helps a lot with us. I think the overall sound is better, and I think the songs are good. We don't really have any direction, and I think maybe that's been our problem. We can't keep up with these trends. And then the interviewer goes, so what period do you belong to? And Joseph goes, 90s, rock of the 90s. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was interesting, considering you know they were kind of forebearers, I guess.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure they were. Interesting comment about the production, though, because, I mean, I like the production on this record because it's really flat. And uh, another interview I read also mentioned how it's really flat and that it's good for that reason as well. But I don't know if you caught Ira Robbins' um, comments from the Trouser Press on this record. He just slams it. He says, like, he almost makes it sound like Vita's ruin the album and i i totally disagree and if i'm not mistaken uh trouser press got it wrong which episode was it ago like the last five yeah (laughs) crazy backwards alphabet maybe or no it was the universal congress of. that's right yeah where uh i don't know i think it's like it's so hard to to accurately you know critique so many artists and different records but i mean this record is a natural progression from the yeah. prior to, for sure, and even the EP, as you mentioned, starting out on Happy Squid. And uh, I think Vetus was the perfect producer. I mean, Vetus's background with The Last and in that scene is the perfect fit for this band. And I, I think it like it comes across really, really well.
1: Yeah, I like the sound of it. I think it sounds really good.
0: No doubt. And there's some weird stuff on it, too.
1: Yeah. Hey, um, so here's a few other things I got. So I had reached out to a few people like Brian Long and a few people were like, you should talk to Robert Vodka. He's a big angst fan. And for people who don't remember who Robert is, we interviewed him on episode 81. He, uh, that's the Black Flag Annihilate this week episode. He wrote his master's thesis on Black Flag and you know their troubles with the LAPD. It's a really interesting interview. And he also ran New Alliance Records when Greg Ginn bought it from Mike Watt. Here's what he sent me about his thoughts on, on Angst and this record in particular. Robert says, I think that I saw them once a year from 1985 through 1988. My conclusion was that each time they had grown as players and songwriters, yep. I, l- I liked them more every time that I saw them. I can't overstate how much more forcefully they were live. Kick-ass live band, especially at LA shows, at the end of tours, when they had been playing almost every night for a month. I liked them live more than many other more heralded and or more popular indie bands at the time. In the interview with Joseph, he said that now he couldn't play the way he did then. I think he's referring to our interview. I think that this is part of what he is talking about. They hit hard because they had been playing so much. My memory could be faulty, but I think that at the time of Mystery Spot, John Risk had switched to, or possibly because he could afford, a Marshall amp. Not a full stack, though. That, and I think working with Vitas Matare, made this record sound fuller to me. There was a sparseness to the EP in Light Life that, while appealing in some respects, didn't serve some of the catchier material well. I think that Mind Average captures the devel- developing sound best on this record. Catchy and the production serves the song well. Back in January reveals their punk roots, yep. though they weren't punk enough for that audience at the time. There's treme- tremendous range here. In, co- in contrast to back in January, Colors is a mostly acoustic and much quieter than any anything else on the record. Red Wing is a hard rock song, Mind Average is angst at their catchiest. What's the Difference has, vocal sec- has a vocal section that really is like a spoken word piece. While some of us celebrate this kind of ra- range, audiences often have a difficult time with this as they don't know how to categorize bands with this kind of range. Exceptions exist, but I think the general point holds. And all of these things were present from the first EP. Onks did not undergo some dramatic transformation that would lend itself into a narrative in mainstream publications or even fanzines. They just worked at their craft and hoped-slash-trusted that people would notice. Having two lead singers almost certainly hurt them commercially as well. Husker Du might be a slight exception, but it's been historically difficult for audiences to focus on more than one singer. While I am happy for the attention that Frank Black brought to the band... Angst remains a kind of insider band. I take no pleasure in that. I think that it's too bad that they were not more successful commercially, that they didn't succeed on that level, however, in my view, does not detract from their significant musical accomplishments. I still listen to Mystery Spot as well as their other records, and the music still brings me great pleasure. Well said, and thanks for sending that, Robert.
0: Yeah, no doubt. It's He actually touches on a number of points that, that I thought about when listening this week. And also, it's uh, it relates to that article that I was referencing. It's actually from, uh, well, not an article, a review of this album out of forced exposure. And right. it relates to the the production, but also their appeal. And it, it says, um, the unmolestingly flat production, that's a compliment of Vitas Matari, keeps the correct perspective and most of all, this batch of songs is showing no lack of depth in that department. Has mass appeal potential, but is probably too simple, i.e., good for anything like that. I hope. Hmm. Now, I guess that guy's that reviewer is saying, you know, I hope they stay a secret. But I think us and uh, Vodka are saying it's too bad that they were too much of a secret.
1: Yeah, for sure. Hey, I got some things from Joseph Pope too. That we should get into the history lesson part one here. Let's see. Mystery Spot was quite quite the departure for us as far as approach and process. All the past records had been done very quickly, a matter of a couple of days or a few hours in the case of the debut 12-inch. This time we took much longer, relatively speaking. By this point, Carducci had left SST and we recorded with Vetus. He was in the last, and I'm guessing you're aware of their early relationship with Black Flag. He also had recorded and produced all the Urnal's 45s, and as you know, we did that first 12-inch unhappy squid. So again, it's that interwoven relationship we touched upon before. Yep. I had known who Vetus was for years, of course, but I can't really recall when we met face-to-face. At some point, I think he came to one of our LA shows. I can't say enough nice things about him. Fantastic guy, long, deep involvement with music, good aesthetic, incredibly smart, and as nice as they come. He was easy to work with because of all of this, and needless to say, anyone who supported the yearnals was A-OK in my book. His studio at the time, and for some time after, was called Lyceum Sound. Though a few things were done there earlier, if I have my facts straight, he didn't expand the capabilities of the studio, until around the time we recorded there. 24-track machine, etc. Like Total Access prior, he had made a deal with SST rec- to record bands at a flat rate. I think it was two grand, no matter how long it took. Don't hold me to this, but I think we were one of the earlier bands that worked with him under that arrangement. He ended up doing a number of records for SST. Slovenly, Leaving Trains, Universal Congress of, Trotsky Ice Pick his band with urinals members, treacherous jaywalkers. The studio itself was a typical L.A. house, front yard, low-lying, single story. Behind was a swimming pool and maybe what had been the guest pool house. That's what he converted into his studio. The control room was maybe 10 10 feet by 12 feet. The main room maybe 20 by 20. We stayed there while recording, so it was a very relaxed and comfortable situation. We could work at any time as long as folks were up to it, and were not under any pressure as far as looking at the clock, etc. Like I said, a very different situation than our past records, and most recordings for that matter. Because of this setup, it allowed us to tinker more than we had in the past as far as trying out ideas. Guitar, overdubs, vocal parts, etc. We were still in our usual live mode, and had been playing the songs on the road and in practice for quite some time, so the basics were all live. Then we might have added something, but not necessarily. I think we were there for about a week.
0: Those comments about Vetus are consistent with uh, when I was chatting up Kevin Barrett and John Talley-Jones when the urinals were in town here last time. And, and they're like, oh man, Vetus, you know, you guys got to talk to Vetus and uh, such a great producer, great uh, bandmate. Um, it's all all consistent with what Joseph is saying.
1: Okay, here's some more. Vetus was actively involved and had ideas, and even came up with and sang a backing vocal on I Remember. He also encouraged different tones uh, with the guitars, and I believe this was the first time John had ever played a Stratocaster instead of his old 50s Gibson he'd had forever. Point being, Vetus was looking for texture and varied sounds and structures, something we, and I in particular, were not opposed to, I suppose it's fair to say it was more produced than previous records. This, of course, had everything to do with the amount of time allotted. One thing that was nice was being able to spend more time and be more relaxed with the vocals. You may also notice that some of the mixes were more fleshed out than previously. Again, we had some time. Okay, then I asked him about, or I made a comment about their kind of step up in musicianship, in my opinion, on this record. He says, we were still practicing seven days a week, so I hope we were getting better. That said, the material, the recording environment, etc., may have influenced that as well. And then I made a comment specifically about his bass playing. He says, I always did believe my bass playing was above average and not generic. Your observations are interesting and appreciated, but as far as we were concerned, we were just doing what we always did. Write and play all the time. A natural progression, I guess. As far as the songs, as is always the case for me, it's hard to pick which I like more or less. You could ask tomorrow, and I might have a different answer. I think there's a lot of good ones on this record, and as is typical, I think some of John's lyrics were quite good. For example, What's the Difference back in January? Colors I like in part because it's just John and I, the way we started as kids. Red Wing was always fun to play as I bash out full chords on the bass. For whatever it's worth, back in January seemed to resonate with audiences for some reason, especially in Europe. Again, as far as we were concerned, we were just plugging along. Then I asked him about touring and who else they played with. I can tell you that we rarely ever got on good gigs, especially while touring, and never toured supporting anyone else. We were supposed to play with Wire in Amsterdam, but it fell through. We were a very self-contained unit without roadies, drivers, managers, etc., etc., and we preferred it that way. It may sound corny, but it was cooler to have the local bands wherever we were playing with us.
0: Interesting to talk about um, like touring in Europe, and I think we mentioned, or maybe Joseph mentioned it on the, uh, the Light Life episode, but a lot of the articles or reviews about this album, they bounce back and forth between describing Angst as like having uh, country elements or sounding like REM or X, and then also uh, describing them as like European sounding from time mm-hmm. to time as well. So I wonder if maybe some of the touring in Europe kind of rubbed off on them, but I don't know. Like it, they, to me, they don't sound particularly, you know, English or European. Um, One band that kept coming to my mind, and it might just be because
1: Joseph's vocals are kind of similar, is the Violent Femmes. Yeah, I mean they're also, you know, more acoustic based and have some folk
0: elements. Yeah, that's mentioned in one of the uh, sorry, one of the reviews as well. Mm. Um, The other band that I'm a big fan of that these guys remind me of, and one song in particular. On the b-side of this record uh reminds me of the band my dad is dead who put out a number of albums on uh homestead like it's it's eerie how they sound so reminiscent of each other but again like not not european this sounds like very american to me almost americana yeah. uh, at times you know rootsy almost yeah agreed i would say um the one review that i liked was from the village view and uh it's kind of interesting because it says although their band name conjures up unsightly images of extensively tattooed guitar-toting punks angst is far removed from the slam dancing nihilistic ilk that sprouted up in the late 70s britain a mystery spot the la-based trio's latest effort angst transcends the decadent thrashings of punk by souping up a distinctive blend of murky, abstract songwriting and smooth, clean rhythms arranged with the precision of a surgeon's scalpel. And I was like, ooh, that sounds that sounds about right. That sounds like angst. Yeah, totally right.
1: <laughs> hey, that ink disease magazine that I mentioned? Yes. And thanks to Ken for sending that in, by the way. Yeah. Uh, there's a review in there that kind of hits on what Robert Vodica is saying a little bit. And the interviews by some guy named Brian, who I'm assuming wrote for the Inc. Review. After five or six years and three and a half LPs, these guys still come down to L.A. and play to clubs that are almost empty. They're relative unknowns. You've got to wonder why. Is it because they can't be instantly categorized? How many people have actually heard angst? I don't know. I've long since given up on evaluating the intellect of the masses. All I know is they've got this new LP here. Having said that, I'm sure that none of you are going to go out and now go out now and buy this. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty defeatist. Yeah. He goes, but do but do this. Go and get their first 12-inch or the light life EP. If you like it, and well you should, complete the Angst collection because they're consistent as hell.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Hey, like back in January, it's not that far removed from Neil Armstrong off the 12-inch, right?
1: For sure. Yeah. Any more reviews in there worth mentioning, Ryan?
0: Uh, I'll mention one other that I guess just uh, references how they're not that well-known even back then, just like that last one. It was from uh, the BAM magazine. And they, they reference how angst have been around for nearly as long as Husker du, but they have a way to go before matching the press or prestige of Husker du. And that theme comes up in review after review after review. And it's, it's amazing how so many people like the, the reviewers, you know, who are kind of hipsters, I guess, or sorry, um, tastemakers, I guess, more accurately back in the day. Uh, you know, over and over and over, they're all complaining about how these guys are not as well-known as they should be. And it didn't really make any difference until Frank Black came along. Yeah. And, even, and even then, just a blip, right? For sure. Well, it's like, uh,
1: if Nirvana wouldn't have happened, would we be talking about half of the bands <laughs> that Kurt Cobain hipped people to?
0: Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, I'm, I'm i'm grateful because again like especially in the 90s stuff um the fact that there was enough interest and and cash flowing to support all that great music i still listen to it all the time today
1: yeah hey ryan if you remember a while back uh our friend jeff schreck wrote a thing for our blog mojackpod.com about it's called um How I Found Angst, and five songs to help you find them too.
0: Yeah, I reread it this week, actually. Yeah,
1: I I like his thing about this album. He says, there are some meat and dairy substitutes that taste remarkably close to the item they're meant to replace. Certain foods like chicken nuggets and ground beef crumbles, or the better butters, especially if you haven't had the real thing in a while. The gap between it and its facsimile will shrink. (laughs) Then you have a bite of the real one, and its taste is more than you remembered. All of this is to say that sometimes when I listen to Mystery Spot, I think it's my favorite of their records. That is until I listen again to Light Life, which is the chopped meat to Mystery Spot's textured vegetable protein. Ouch. Maybe I need to go back and listen to Light Life. But uh, I was loving this record, man.
0: Yeah, me too. And I, I actually listened to like all of them in order again up to this. And it was, as I said earlier, a natural progression. There. It, it all fits, I think, um, and it almost was like, I liked them all, but it definitely building up to this week, I, I was digging Mystery Spot in particular. I mean, I listened to it a lot more than the other ones too, of course.
1: Yeah, it was, again, I haven't listened to those ones since we did those episodes, but just uh, going off what I remember, this is my favorite Angst record so far. Hey, before we go to History Lesson Part 2, can I leave the last word to the spaceman? It has to be. Okay. This is this is uh, from a, uh, an SST ad. Like never before, the songs of Angst are suffused with a shimmering glow. On Mystery Spot, the remarkable interplay between Brothers Joe and John is fully realized with their best sounding record ever. With a bow to country and folk, Angst take off on a hell-bent-for-leather electric train ride <laughs> on Outside My Window. Colors of the Day, Mind Average, and nine more songs.
0: So I hate to ask, like Hellbent for Leather has got to be the name of a metal song, right? That's a Judas Priest song, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Anyways.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You want to talk about the tracks?
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: History Lesson, Part 2.
0: So the first track is Outside My Window, and in all the reviews that I read, everyone really focuses on this is like one of the hits and Mm. it is, it is a great opener.
1: Yeah. I wrote down who I think is on vocals on all of these songs again, (laughs) again. Yeah.
0: Oh my God.
1: But I think I got it right because on this Robert Vodka thing, (laughs) he mentions mind average is Joseph and back in January is John. So I went off of that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So,
1: So this would be Joseph Pope on vocals. And all of these songs, by the way, are credited to Pope Risk.
0: Yeah. 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 It's a great opener. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, I mean, it's a mid-tempo, uh, a mid-tempo track. And I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to say this or, or weird to say this, but it sounds like, it sounds like an angst song, you know? Yeah. Like a stereotypical angst song almost. Um, but it's just a killer opener. Yeah. And, and followed up by back in January, which we've already mentioned a couple of time, which is like an, a double time song also fits well. A great second track.
1: Yeah. It's got John on vocals. This one I really liked. I love how it starts with John just singing the title. Yeah. You know, acapella. And then it keeps repeating it behind this awesome snare, ro- snare roll. Great playing by the band. Um, and I, I love how it ends with "Back in January." Something about this track reminds me of this great Canadian indie rock band uh, called The Lowest of the Low.
0: Oh yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking cowpunk almost.
1: Yeah, for sure. If anybody out there, especially our U.S. listeners or whoever, wants to check out The Lowest of the Low. Their famous album here in Canada, anyways, called is called Shakespeare My Butt, and it's really good. And it totally sounds like this.
0: The next song is a, a slower mid-tempo tune. It's mine.
1: Yeah, we've got John on lead vocals and Joseph on backing vocals. This is the track Jeff Shrek singled out as his favorite.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the A side of the promo single as well that SST put out. Yeah.
1: It's a really killer track. The brothers harmonize really well together on this one. It to me it sounds almost like something Firehose could have done.
0: Oh yeah. There's there's a lot of references. I, I mean, I'll just test this with you. You're more of a puppets fan than I am, but like I sensed some meat puppets as well, but definitely some fire hose um all throughout this.
1: Yeah, for sure. Does that single have any dead wax?
0: No, 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 it doesn't. It just, uh, because there's not on the LP either, it mm-hmm. just has the uh, the uh, the catalog number, I guess, or whatever, PSST-111. Right. And then there's, uh, from the mastering, like it's a K-Desk one as well. Right. But uh, nothing special on it. The B-side, we'll get to on uh, side B of this LP as well. All right. Next is uh, What's the Difference, uh, a nice slow tune.
1: Yeah, that's, this one's got John on vocals. Kind of sounds like Dylan a little bit while he's doing the, the speaking parts.
0: <laughs> I, I have uh, for a track on the B side of this album, Dylan-esque vocals. Yeah. So yeah, I had the same thing. There's a bit of that. Great
1: lyrics. Waved good luck to the sailors with a knowing smile and a tear in her eye. Carries me away on little white lines to another freeway freeway sunrise. Kind of like Robert was saying, it's kind of like spoken word poetry almost.
0: Yeah. Oh, the vocals are... are uh, not the vocals. The lyrics are very poetic throughout the album, for sure. Yeah. Uh, next is a standout for me, looking for a reason. The opening chords on this song and uh, the role like the drum roll on the toms and stuff. It's yeah. it's uh it's just awesome. It's what I love about this type of music.
1: Yeah, this one's Joseph on vocals. The cor- I wrote the chorus really stood out for me and how it goes back into the verse riff. I really thought was cool interesting. Pretty complex bassline to sing on top of, too.
0: Yeah. Great lyrics here again, too. Um very philosophical introspective, you know, looking for a world without boundaries, looking for a person without judgment. It's kind of that theme over and over, very poetic again. Yep. Uh, And then the A-side closes off with the song Colors, which has got some, it's kind of a sleepy country twangy song with some interesting wordplay as well.
1: Yeah, this is, there's no drums on this. It's like acoustic guitar with bass. John on vocals, kind of reminds me of like something John Prine would do. And an interesting thing about this, if you look on the back of the LP, it's called Colors, but if you look at the LP label, it's called Colors of the
0: Day. Mm -hmm. All right, Uh, we flip it over to the B-side, and it starts off with the track Mind Average, which is the B-side on the promo single as well. Another standout for me. This is a great, great opener for the B-side. And we should mention, too, I mean, I believe this only came out on LP and cassette. That's right, yeah. Yeah, wild, man. Like, why not on CD, at least, back then?
1: Yeah. This is Joseph on vocals. Um, it's. It uses that classic move that I really like of putting acoustic guitar
0: underneath an electric guitar. Like the Who and Firehose. That's right. Yeah. And the Stones. Let's say this one is probably like one of my top three off of this album for sure too. I just, I, I loved it as an opener in the same way that I like outside my window. Then it goes to um, another cool tune, one life out of nine. Yeah. Again, this one's just called
1: one life on the LP label. This one reminded me of our pal Graham's old band huevos rancheros a little bit. It's oh, got wait. that twangy sound to it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder if our listeners are getting enough obscure Canadian band references out of
1: this. (laughs) They're not that obscure. They're on Estrus, man.
0: I suppose. For a minute. Uh,
1: This one's got John on vocals. There's a guitar solo on this one, one of only a few on the album.
0: And then it turns into Wazi Street, which is uh, a waltz, actually.
1: Yeah. Another misprint between the back of the jacket and the LP label. I love the lyrics again. There's something like, Don't know why I got off that train in Denver, just seemed like the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. there's another guitar solo in this one, so we've got back to back solos.
0: Not quite fret melting, though.
1: Not quite, but he was playing
0: a strat through a Marshall half stack, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting. I mean, we in History Lesson Part 1, we were talking about the experimentation and and, uh, Vetus um, encouraging that. And um, this next song, I remember, this is one that I had to start over a few times because I was like, what is that at the outset of this song? It almost sounds like some Pink Floyd-style guitar noodling, atmospheric, type of feedback-y stuff, and then it just turns into a stomper of a song. Yeah, it's a real cool chugging country rocker with Joseph on vocals. And and there's those uh, cool sections where it really slows down and and then revs back up. It's a good one. Then uh, the next track, Ah, The Morning. This is the one for me that I was like, wow, this sounds a lot like this. The band I mentioned earlier, My Dad is Dead, but with Dylan-esque vocals. Those are those are my notes about it. I was like, this is totally angst, but it also reminds me of like bands from the 60s and also contemporaries of angst in the late 80s. For sure, yeah. This one's got John on
1: vocals, and it features Joseph just tearing shit up with the bass yeah Uh, great lyrics again walk out alone the world is alive they say you got to be somebody i said i'm trying cool how it shifts into like a totally different thing uh with the drums going to double time on the chorus not what you'd expect the song to do
0: no and then the the record closes out with just a rager an anthemic wailer the song "Red Wing," which I, I I betcha, as mentioned earlier, this was just a a showstopper for the live show. Oh yeah, yeah, this is one of my faves. John on
1: vocals. It's got some, to my ear, some uncredited her, uncredited harmonica playing in it. They just saved the most blazing rocker for last, which I always yeah. like a good rocker at the end of an album.
0: Yeah, and I know you you're a big sequencing fan, and I think that this album has got some great sequencing for A side, B side. It uh, it's solid from start to finish that way. Yeah, great ups and downs on it. Yep. Um, what about the uh, the album cover, Brant?
1: Well, I got something from Joseph Pope on that too. Just hold on here. Here's from Joseph. The front cover photo was taken by John's wife, Martina. She also took the pic on the back of Light Life. It was such a great photo and was perfect for the title of the record. I had wanted to try to make it the full cover somehow, but obviously cropping it up to a square changed the proportions of the photo and destroyed its structure. Though I had feelings that it was a bit stark in a, st- in a sense, I thought it much better to lay it out as I did to get the full photo, the back cover was once again a picture I found in a magazine, and then I did the layout, text, color, color scheme, etc.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem to be like a photo that you know. Think about what we've been discussing. This is this is a tropical shoreline here, mm-hmm. with uh, with mostly looks to be mostly kind of children or teenagers in the water or on the shore. And all the words we've been using to describe this album so far have been like poetic, Americana, all the references, you know, violent femmes, Husker Du, X, um, very disjointed from this image on the cover. Well, this is the
1: mystery spot that they're at. I guess, hey. They're like drawing things in the sand. And there's, I don't know what that is on the ground, like some sort of gourd or something or a. Like That's a papaya?
0: A, might be a coconut. Maybe. You're you're the you're the papaya or coconut expert, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right. It is definitely the mystery spot.
1: Yep. Yeah. The back cover's cool.
0: Oh yeah. Great image.
1: It looks like it's definitely obviously pre-photoshop, but however Joseph did this, it looks like it. It looks like an actual photo of this thing with the angst logo
0: on it. Yeah. Is it, is it like a, it almost looks like, I don't know, like a, something you'd see in a cemetery maybe. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. Yeah. Or, um, or the gated entrance to a big manor or mansion on a hill or something. That's the entrance to the mystery spot. Perhaps. Yeah. That's well, the. Hey, hey, well there is a palm tree in the background, so you might be onto something. Maybe. Um, anything else on here we've kind of mentioned already in terms of Vita's producing it, recorded at Lyceum Sound, 1987. And uh, the back cover photo is credited to unknown. Yeah, well,
1: Joseph said he he found it in a magazine or something, but I like the front cover, too, with the yellow.
0: Yeah, it is very striking. Yeah, All of their album covers, except for the... Uh, the original Happy Squid version of the 12-inch. All of them are very colorful album covers. Yeah.
1: Ballot result time.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you're going to force me to pick. <laughs> <laughs> Ballot result.
1: What are you? What? What are
0: your picks? Uh, I mean, I I'm sure I gave it away during the last segment there, but I would. Uh, I would probably go with either looking for a reason or mind average, but I would really like after thinking about it. I think looking for a reason. I don't know those two opening chords. It's just two chords, but their hairs stand up on the back of your neck. Chords for me, so it's gonna be that one for me, anyways. Yeah, almost
1: every track on here is really good. I, my favorites were back in January and Red Wing, but you, they're all good. We can we can go with looking for a reason. Really, I ween Yeah.
0: I win. All right, I'll take it. I'm you gonna... have to.
1: You have to let me pick the Descendants next week. That's the. That's the deal. Ooh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shoot. <laughs>
0: no, no. Well, you you gave you gave away what's happening next week, right? Yeah, Ryan. What's next week? Next week, I can't wait. It's our first Descendants LP interesting to have this one first on the show because it's their last album before they took a long time off but it's sst 112 the descendants all album and brent we've got one heck of a special guest
1: yeah we've got milo ackerman on the podcast awesome hey everyone thanks for listening you can find us on facebook instagram twitter tumblr all at mojack pod We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.